0: You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books and audios, please visit narcissismfree.com or pathbacktoself.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box, this is Kalia. And today, the topic of the podcast is our pathological narcissist, multiple personalities. If you've ever been in a relationship with a narcissist, you might have wondered if you were dealing with a multiple personality. Well, there is a disorder that used to be called multiple personality disorder, and it's now called dissociative identity disorder also abbreviated, it's DID. So if you hear me say DID, I'm talking about dissociative identity disorder. Dissociative identity disorder, previously referred to as multiple personality disorder, is a dissociative disorder involving a disturbance of identity in which two or more separate and distinct Personality states, or identities, control an individual's behavior at different times. When under the control of one identity, a person is usually unable to remember some of the events that occurred while other personalities were in control. The different identities referred to as alters may exhibit differences in speech, mannerisms, attitudes, thoughts, and even gender orientation. The alters may even present physical differences such as allergies, right or left-handedness, or the need for eyeglass prescriptions. These differences between alters are often quite striking. Other conditions that often occur in people with DID include post-traumatic stress disorder, personality disorders, especially borderline and avoidant personality disorder. However, according to Elizabeth F. Howell, a PhD who studied both pathological narcissism and DID, says that dissociation and pathological narcissism are inextricably intertwined. Each reflecting aspects of the other. So according to Dr. Howell, there's evidence linking pathological narcissism and dissociative personality disorder. And from what I've seen, I'm not really surprised. DID is associated with overwhelming traumas or abuse during childhood. In about 90% of cases, there's a history of abuse in childhood while other cases are linked to experiences of war or medical procedures during childhood. Those who have been close to or lived with a pathological narcissist, or actually live with one right now, have likely noticed the split in personality that is evident in the good guy, bad guy persona. One of the primary concerns for people who have experienced narcissistic abuse is this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde personality split. One moment, the individual can be lovely, kind, helpful, charming, and seems to be caring. But the next moment, the individual's cruel, uncaring, completely lacking in empathy, abusive, accusational, and really horrific in their behavior. A common question asked by people who are in relationship with the narcissist is Are narcissists evil? I actually did a podcast on this, and some people probably didn't even listen to the podcast. They just put in the comments, Yes. Because people who have been affected by the narcissist experience this really dark side of the narcissist. There's also the question of which part is real, the good part or the evil part. If the good part is real and the evil part is a sickness or disorder, perhaps it can be healed or exercised or something. So this person could be good all the time. Another common question is, does the narcissist believe his own lies? Does he know what he's doing? Is he aware of his cruel behavior? Much of the information about narcissistic personality disorder leads us believing That the good part of the narcissist, the one responsible for the love bombing and doing good deeds, is actually fake. It's just a manipulation to suck that person into a relationship with the narcissist. We come to believe that the narcissist is inherently a bad person, evil to the core, with no conscience or consideration for others. But if someone appeared to be all bad, they wouldn't be so hard to leave, would they? What makes it difficult for people to leave their relationship with the narcissist is that there is a side to the narcissist that they really love, a side that seems to be loving and caring. And so the person involved with the narcissist develops a belief that this part of the narcissist can overpower the dark side. What we come to realize is that there is a good side and a bad side to the narcissist, but the bad side isn't going to just go away, nor can it be exercised or cast out. It doesn't typically respond to therapy. And when I say it doesn't typically respond to therapy, it's because most people with this disorder don't see that they have a problem. They see everybody else as the problem. So they aren't going to respond to therapy If that therapy asks them to look deeper at themselves as the source of the problem. Now, not every narcissist is the same. This is really important to understand because we're talking about human beings and every human being is different. There's also something called comorbidity, which is more than one condition occurring at the same time. So when we're dealing with psychological issues, mental health and personality disorders, there can easily be many going on at one time, especially if that individual comes from severe trauma, because severe trauma is the cause of most mental health and psychological issues. It's common that I hear someone describe being a particularly horrific incident at the hands of a narcissist and soon after the narcissist acts as if it never happened. If confronted, the narcissist may say, "I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy." At the very least, they will deny the impact that episode had and minimize it, telling the victim of abuse that they're making a big deal out of nothing. So it's really typical narcissistic behavior to deny that behavior or minimize it in some way. We also have the question of, do they even remember that they did it? We also often project our own reality onto the narcissist, wondering why they don't see the abuse or take responsibility for their behavior. Now, there's an element of narcissistic abuse where the narcissist simply doesn't take responsibility for his or her behavior. This is a little different from the narcissist who denies the abusive episode ever even happened or accuses you of doing exactly what it is he or she is doing or has done, which is called projection. We can sum all of this denial of reality up into two words, crazy making. It's crazy making when someone denies doing what he or she has done, and it's crazy making when you are accused of doing what that person just did. We may conclude that the narcissist is a master manipulator and knows exactly what he or she is doing, but is this true? It's quite possible that the narcissist is completely oblivious to what he or she is doing. It's quite possible that the narcissist will check out and engage in some of the bad behavior you're experiencing from a place of dissociation. People with dissociative identity disorder have two or more personalities functioning within the same body. It's really quite extraordinary. One personality might show as having diabetes and require insulin, where the other personality doesn't, even though they both occupy the same supposedly diseased body. So how can this be? One thing we can learn from dissociative identity disorder is that the personality is really powerful. It's so powerful that it can influence the presence or lack of disease. One personality may be allergic to strawberries, and the other personality can eat strawberries without a reaction at all. So why is it such a surprise when we see the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personalities operating within the same body? Mental disorders and personality disorders are not black and white. They're often a bit of a soup of disorders manifesting according to the environment and the situation. So it's common that someone is diagnosed with bipolar, borderline, and narcissism. So what does this look like? How do we know what is what? How do we know what's the bipolar, what's the borderline, what's the narcissism? Well, it's typical that narcissism shows up in most personality disorders, as well as bipolar and dissociative identity disorder, because these are all disorders that have a very self-absorbed element to them, which stems from a need to survive horrifically abusive conditions in childhood. You may think you're dealing with a textbook narcissist, but there also may be other disorders in the mix. Now, it's not our job to diagnose or decide what's going on. I imagine that this has to be a very difficult task even for the most informed psychologist and psychiatrist. Severe trauma causes mental health issues. When I did an episode on borderline personality disorder, I had people contact me that had been diagnosed as borderline, telling me the horrific trauma they went through that resulted in their disorder. Not all people who have suffered childhood trauma have mental illness or personality disorders, but we typically find childhood trauma at the root of most personality disorders and mental health conditions. The issues we have with disorders of narcissism, such as narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder, is that although the Dr. Jekyll side of the personality can be quite lovely, the Mr. Hyde aspect is highly destructive. It doesn't matter how compassionate and empathetic you are towards a narcissist, you can't change or control their dark side. On the most part, it's here to stay, especially if that person can't recognize that they have a serious problem and that they need in-depth therapy to manage it. Where victims of narcissistic abuse go wrong is holding on to a belief that if they just show enough love, kindness, and compassion, the narcissist will magically morph into a full-time nice guy or girl. But this can't happen because the Mr. Hyde part of the personality operates in the dark. It is the shadow side of that person, and the shadow emerges unconsciously without the full awareness of the Dr. Jekyll side. The Mr. Hyde aspect has a mind of its own and a life of its own, and that life can be the dominant force in that personality. If the Dr. Jekyll aspect has a vulnerable, loving nature, Mr. Hyde will set out to destroy this aspect as well. Because the childhood memories equate vulnerability with pain and loss of power and control. So you might see small signs of a vulnerable loving person in there, but it's likely going to be fleeting and unsustainable. Many narcissists have already undergone an assassination of the Dr. Jekyll side of their personality and operate more and more from the Mr. Hyde persona. This aspect needs to be in control and feel powerful by having power over others. Having power over others is much more important to Mr. Hyde than having love and connection with others. Love and connection can feel like a threat. They can't trust it. And they easily have animosity towards those who try and provoke such love and connection with them. Although the remnants of Dr. Jekyll may come forward and soak up the love that is offered, Mr. Hyde quickly takes control and shuts it down. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Now let me tell you briefly the story of Jekyll and Hyde. So Jekyll and Hyde is a novella about a London legal practitioner named Gabriel John Utterson who investigates strange occurrences between his old friend, Dr. Henry Jekyll, and the evil Edward Hyde. The novella's impact is such That it has become part of the language with the vernacular phase Jekyll and Hyde, referring to persons with an unpredictable dual nature, outwardly good, but sometimes shockingly evil. Dr. Jekyll is a large, well made, smooth faced man of 50 with something of a stylish cast, who occasionally feels he's battling between the good and evil within himself. Leading to the struggle between his dual personalities of Henry Jekyll and Edward Hyde, he spent a great part of his life trying to repress evil urges that were not fitting for a man of his stature. He creates a serum or potion in an attempt to separate his hidden evil from his personality. In doing so, Jekyll transforms into the smaller, younger, cruel, remorseless, and evil Hyde. Jekyll has many friends and an amiable personality, but as Hyde, he becomes mysterious and violent. As time goes by, Hyde grows in power. After taking the potion repeatedly, he no longer relies upon it to unleash his inner demon, i.e. his alter ego. Eventually, Hyde grows so strong that Jekyll becomes reliant on the potion to remain conscious throughout the book. Think of the words unpredictably dual nature, which is outwardly good. This means that Dr. Jekyll presented as a good man, but he was hiding within himself the evil Edward Hyde. The story itself suggests that Dr. Jekyll was completely aware of his evil aspect, but worked to try and hide it or suppress it. As Dr. Jekyll, he has many friends and an amiable personality, but as Hyde, he becomes mysterious and violent. Eventually, the violent aspect gets stronger and stronger, growing in power, and it results in the demise of Dr. Jekyll. It was thought that the writer of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, his name is Robert Louis Stevenson, was inspired by a true story based on the writer's friendship with Edinburgh-based French teacher Eugene Chantrell, who was convicted and executed for the murder of his wife in May of 1878. Chantrell, who had appeared to lead a normal life in the city, poisoned his wife with opium. According to author Jeremy Hodges, Stevenson was present throughout the trial, and as the evidence unfolded, he found himself, like Dr. Jekyll, aghast before the acts of Edward Hyde. Moreover, it was believed that the teacher had committed other murders, both in France, and Britain by poisoning his victims at supper parties with a favorite dish of toasted cheese and opium. A narcissistic personality disorder most often does present as a nice guy on the outside, but the nice guy harbors a sinister dark side that's not only unpredictable but often very shocking. The really crazy-making part of a narcissistic personality is that the narcissistic individual most often does appear to be a really nice person. They may appear to be kind, generous, caring, and helpful. As a new love interest, they can be incredibly attentive and interested catering to the needs of the beloved, and showing up as a romantic fool who would do anything for the beloved to gain his or her favor. In the world of narcissistic abuse, we call this initial romantic pursuit love-bombing. The love interest is bombarded by expressions of love, generosity, and positive attention— So the word shocking is more than appropriate to describe how it feels when the other character shows up. Although narcissists can be murderers, this is not usually the case. This is more likely the case with the sociopaths or psychopaths, although all sociopaths and psychopaths are also not murderers. Most narcissists, Dualistic personalities do have a sinister dark side, but it destroys more on a psychic level than a physical one. The narcissistic personality tends to destroy by getting their victims to question and doubt themselves and their reality. In their strong attempts to hide their own dark side, they deny its existence to the victims who've experienced the horror of it. I often hear clients tell me he's really very popular and people really love him. I'm the only one that sees the other side of him. The dark side of the narcissist typically comes out in private, away from prying eyes. It remains hidden from the public. The only people who typically see it are the significant others and close family members. But even many of the family members will deny its existence, especially if they haven't been the target For the sinister psychological attacks. Another story that depicts the incredible dark side of the narcissist is the picture of Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray is the subject of a full-length portrait in oil by Basil Hallward, an artist impressed and infatuated by Dorian's beauty. He believes that Dorian's beauty is responsible for the new mood in his art and as a painter. Through Basil, Dorian meets Lord Henry Wotton, and he soon is enthralled by the aristocrat's hedonistic worldview, that beauty and sensual fulfillment are the only things worth pursuing in life. Newly understanding that his beauty will fade, Dorian expresses the desire to sell his soul to ensure that the picture, rather than he, will age and fade. The wish is granted, and Dorian pursues a libertine life of varied, amoral experiences while staying young and beautiful. All the while, his portrait ages and records every sin. Dorian eventually locks his portrait away in the attic so that nobody will see how hideous it is. He develops an obsession with it as every immoral act causes the portrait to grow more hideous. He tries to hide his soulless self from even himself, but it consumes him in the end because his soul is trapped in the portrait. A narcissist like the Dorian Gray character is preoccupied with his own beauty and sensual fulfillment, fearful of aging and losing his appeal. He lives an immoral life without care or empathy for those he uses to fulfill his lustful lifestyle. He's celebrated and loved by many as he remains youthful and charming, but he has a secret locked away in the attic, which represents his subconscious dark side. The question still remains, is the narcissist aware of his darker, more sinister side? Although people with dissociative identity disorder may have no real memory of the behavior committed by the alternate personalities, Someone with NPD likely does have some memory of the darker deeds, but as we talked about before, the behavior is justified or denied. For example, most narcissists are aware that they are having an affair and keeping it a secret. The affair comes from a sense of entitlement, with the narcissist believing that he or she deserves to have a secret affair because his or her partner at home is somehow mistreating them or not giving them what they're entitled to. Blackouts or otherwise complete memory loss are not common with people who have NPD. They may even have forgotten traumatic events from childhood, which is common. It's a common protective mechanism for victims of child abuse. But blackouts are more common with alcoholics and people who actually have dissociative identity disorder. If a narcissist is also an alcoholic or has a dual diagnosis, he may experience blackouts from the alcoholism or the DID. When people ask the question, does the narcissist remember what he's done, he probably does remember, but because he lives in a distorted reality, he may not experience his behavior in the same way that you do. As a result of his narcissism, he's likely to blame you for his bad behavior, making you the scapegoat to avoid facing his own dark side. So once again, failing to take responsibility. So there you have it. Narcissists definitely have a dualistic personality, and although some doctors believe pathological narcissism and dissociative identity disorder go hand in hand, they're still considered different diagnoses. Narcissists do have a likable good guy or great gal aspect to them that is wrapped up in their public persona, and a darker, more sinister aspect that shows up behind closed doors. If you're involved with someone like this, don't think you can rehabilitate the dark side of the narcissist. It's best to remove yourself from the situation to avoid any further damage or destruction. If you find yourself in a relationship with a narcissist, Have just ended one or need to get out of one, please know that I'm here to help. I offer counseling, coaching, and hypnotherapy services to help victims of narcissistic abuse to break free from the painfully destructive dynamic that they find themselves in. Thank you for listening, and you can learn more about me and my work at narcissismfree.com or pathbacktoself.com. Have a great day. And I'll see you in the next podcast.